let's have a word of prayer for those, uh, the family of those that have actually given all just to give us the freedom that we enjoy in the country. Father, we thank you for these men and women that gave all. May your grace allow us to fully understand and to make these necessary sacrifices that we have to make to continue to make this nation a great nation in the world. We thank you. Bless these families. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Again, I want to welcome our guests. It's good to have you here. Yes. Why did you get ahead of me? I was going to have fun with that. You distracted me. Sit. Stand. Stand up, please. (laughs) I noticed Chris refused to sit, and I'm saying, sit down, Chris. We're going to be doing that later, okay? Let's go. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the land that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the land. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Good to have every one of you. Please be seated. I titled this message, uh, What No Other Man Has Done. What No Other Man Has Done. Sometimes you read through scriptures, and uh, certain things jump out at you. And uh, if you don't mind, this is what jumped out at me. <laughs> what no other man has done. Uh, and that's taken from uh, John chapter 15, verse 22, and then verse 24. Jesus was speaking here right before he went to the cross. He said, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now... They have no excuse for their sin. Verse 24 says, If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have had no sin. But now they have sinned and also hated both me and my Father. May that never be your portion in Jesus' name. That you will both hate Jesus and his father. Jesus is so clear in the scriptures here that he came from heaven to speak to us. And because he had come from heaven to speak to us and his words are recorded in the scriptures for us, no one on the day of judgment is going to have an excuse For he saw our sin. Jesus said that. Because I've spoken to them. He came down to speak to us. He came to give us the words of God. Jesus said the words that I speak. They are spirit and they are life. The words I speak they are not mine. What the father gave me to speak. 
That's what I have delivered to you. So God brought Jesus into our world to deliver his word that will give to us, that will give us eternal life. So that we can be free from our sins and we don't have to go to hell or be damned. But this is going to happen. Jesus is coming back again. Christians tend to forget that the world is forgotten. Jesus is coming back again. He is, there's going to be judgment. Everyone is going to be judged. Jesus came to, to speak to us and to demonstrate who the Father really is. Jesus himself is coming back again. Jesus has done what no other man can do. There is no man dead or alive that has the power to bear the sins of the world. No other person. There's only one man. Only Jesus himself can do that. No one died on the cross or anywhere for the rest of mankind. No one is qualified. There's no one. From Adam until Jesus. And up till now, there's only one man. He came to do what no other man can do. And he's done it. So right now, there's no one that has an excuse for his or his sin. In other words, if you are going to have an excuse, that means you are going to be questioned about what you've done. And Jesus said, you have no, there's no way you can get out of it. The only way is to accept the word which he came to deliver to us. But in my mind, I know also that Jesus was talking about things that he did and spoke on earth that people saw and experienced. And because of that, Jesus said, no one has an excuse. And I want to let you know that Jesus is still doing the same thing here on earth today. I read the story of the man that was born blind. In John chapter 9, his condition was so serious that the disciples took one look at him. I know for many of us we're wondering, and I'm going to ask, and I've asked this here before, you can't see a man who is blind and know, unless you know his history and his family, there is no way you can look at a man who is blind and know that he was born that way. There's no way for you to know that. So this man had a special condition in his blindness so that once you take one look at him, you know without a doubt he was born that way. And, and because there was a, a one situation in Kenya about the same of a young child that was born with just a genetic disease, we'll call it, just skin over this part of his eye, no opening. I saw that. And people flocked because after prayer in the name of Jesus, there was opening. And the eyeball looking at the mother. That happened in Kenya. Kisumu. That happened. 
in a crusade where they were preaching Jesus. I believe that was exactly the same condition that this man had sitting. And the disciples looked at him and said, Master, who sinned? How can this be? Who sinned that this man was born blind? How could they know? Because his condition was so different, you can tell he was born that way. And Jesus did what no other man could do or had done. He demonstrated that he came down from heaven. He was God. You know, God formed Adam from the clay, right? And Jesus spat on the ground to demonstrate his Godhead and made clay. I mean, it'd be crazy to rub clay in the eyeballs of a man. It was, there was no, no eyeballs. He just rubbed it over there and sent the man to a pool called Saint. Because he was sent. Jesus said, go and wash in that pool called Saint. Jesus was sent to us to demonstrate who the Father really is. And the man went and washed. And you can tell from the scriptures. He washed and came back saying. And the people looked at him. They couldn't recognize him because now he had eyeballs, right? And then some said, hey, is that not the man that sat down? I mean, if you knew a man that was blind... Would, you, would there be any difference? You can tell. That's the same guy. He just now can see. But his situation was different. He could see. He had lashes, eyeballs. And they said, no, he looks like him. It's him. The guy said, I am the same guy. Amen. I am the same man. A creation. Nobody could doubt it. And God did the same thing in Kenya. And he's still doing the, same, doing the same thing today. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you're sick this morning, I want to let you know, Jesus is still here. He can make you well. He can heal you. We need the word. But they said, yeah. The guy said, I'm the one. And boy, they couldn't contain themselves. They had to go tell the leaders, hey, I know you guys gossip about this, this man, Jesus, but man, he's doing incredible things. Now I'm telling you, there's that kid over there, he was blind. We've never seen anything like this. And they brought him to the leaders, basically, tell us what you think about this. You tell us. We've never seen it this way. Tell us. The leaders were confused because they would not accept Jesus. That's why Jesus said, they have no cloak for their sins. They knew, they saw it, but they rejected it. What about you today? Have you heard the message of Jesus? What are you doing? Is there fire in your belly for God? Are you going to serve God? This is the only solution for the world. Jesus came to give us life, and he declared it, to give us life and to give us life in abundance. That's what he came to do. They said, they said to the man, how did you get well? The guy made it real simple. Listen, he put clay on my eyes. I washed and I came seeing. They said, well, uh, that man, we don't know about him. 
We know our father walked with Moses, but this fellow, we don't know where he's from. He's a sinner. The guy said, whether he's a sinner or not, that's your business. All I know, I was blind, now I can see. And that's the testimony for many of us here this morning. We were blind. Not physically blind, but spiritually blind. If you hear and don't fully understand who Jesus is, you're still spiritually blind. I pray that God, through the word this morning, will open your eyes to know that God loves you, that God sent his son to the world for you, and that you can have him to yourself, the way I like to put it, as your personal property, if you will have it. He's yours. A gift to you, as your personal gift. All you have to do is embrace, except that this gift is a living being. Amen? The most powerful being in the world. You can have him all to yourself. This is one gift that you can be selfish about and it's okay. You can have him all to yourself. But the people were saying, oh no, we don't believe in this man. And then the man himself made a statement, which Jesus Jesus said here in the scripture, John 15. In John chapter 9, this man said, when they said, no, we don't accept thee, Jesus. Moses we know, but we don't know this fellow. And we don't know where he's from. He said to them, in John chapter 9, verse 32, he says, since the world began, it has been unheard of. That anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not of God, from God, he could do nothing. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Basically, he spoke the truth. From the beginning of the world until then, nothing like that has been heard. That's why Jesus said, if I had not come and have not done these works that no one else has done then you will have an excuse for your sin. But now, there is no excuse for sin. There is an interesting thing about that story about the man that was born blind. He never knew who made him well. He had never seen Jesus before. He heard his voice, but didn't know who he was. They called his mother and his father, and it's, they were scared of the leaders and they said, well, talk to him. He's, old, he's grown. He'll tell you what happened. But when the guy challenged them and said, now, you were the ones that told us if a man is not truly right with God, God doesn't hear him. You preached that to us. You told us that. I couldn't see, but I heard you say that. Now you're telling me that the man who has done this is not of God? How do you put those two together? You told us if he's not of God, he won't be able to do this. Now he's done it. And then you say, he's not of God. And they said, you're trying to teach us? You are all together born in sin? They were sinners, but they can't see. And they threw him out. But the, the guy was happy to get out of church. Amen? Don't do that. He was happy to be out of church. It reminds me of a story about uh, a church where they were so dignified 
And um, they all dressed very well, just like Pastor, you know. And Pastor Al. And a uh, real Orthodox church. And this guy came out from the streets. And he sat with them. And everybody got nervous. And the ushers were going back and forth. What do we do? This man, he, his, his clothes, his shirt, his torn man, he, he, he stinks. How, what are we going to do? And one usher, I must have some, he became real bold. And when he said, sir, we don't have people like you in church. Can you please go out? Oh, yes. And the guy went out, and he, he, last church, there was a, a bus station right across the, the church. And he sat down there. And after service, everybody was rushing out to their cars and going, and then the usher went out and saw the fellow sitting out there, and he recognized him and felt bad that he had to kick him out of church. So he went to the fellow and said, Sir, uh, I'm really sorry that I had to do this. But you see, uh, the guy said, uh, he was trying to explain to him the way you're dressed and uh, the way you uh, were when you got into church. We couldn't really... Uh, the guy, oh, don't worry about it. He said, after I left church, I came out here and I sat down by this place waiting for the bus. And Jesus appeared to me. The guy said, well, Jesus appeared to you? He said, yeah. Jesus appeared to me. He said to me, son, don't worry about that. They don't even let me in there. Okay. May that never be the Ark Fellowship. Amen. <laughs> we welcome all of them. Amen. They are all welcome. But they kicked the guy out of church and Jesus found him. If you read that story in John chapter 9, it was an amazing thing. He wasn't looking for Jesus, but Jesus was looking for him. And Jesus is looking for you. He knows you are in trouble. The things are so rough. You're feeling lonely now, but he's searching for you. Jesus found him. Jesus found the fellow, and he said, uh, Sir, do you believe in the Son of God? There are very few times Jesus will use the word Son of God. Most of the time, Jesus wanted to be a man. He was a man, a real man. Most of the time, he would say the Son of Man, meaning in the Jewish language, Son of Man means I'm a man. I'm a man. The Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins. Power on the earth to forgive sin. But this time it was different because now you have to believe in the Son of God to be saved. You see the difference? You can believe Jesus as a man. That's okay. And some people believe he's a good man. But if you will experience God himself, you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. God. And so Jesus said to the man, do you believe in the Son of God? And the man said, where is he? Just show me and I'll believe. And Jesus used some words. He said, you're looking at him. I like that. Because he couldn't see before. But now he can place the voice and the face. He said to him, you're looking at him. And the man worshipped him and said, I believe. But then an interesting thing happened. They, they, Jesus made a statement. For this reason, 
I came into this world. For this reason I came into this world. That those who are blind will see. And if you claim you don't, you are not blind, then you go blind. And the the Pharisees asked, are we also blind? He said, if you were blind, you see. But now you say, I see, and your sin remains. So we transfer from blindness to sin. We need to go back to our God and turn everything over to Him, believing He is God and there's nothing that He cannot do but also to open our hearts for him to show himself through us and to reveal himself as the Son of God, just as he revealed himself to that man. When you acknowledge, Jesus, I need you, he shows himself. And at the time he shows himself to you, the wrong, everything that you've done that was wrong, all of that is behind you, and you can serve him. Then there's another story, something that Jesus did, because he came to do, Things that no other man has done. No other man has done. In, in uh, John chapter 11, we are told about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. What is frightening about the world? You know we have researchers. They are always researching stuff. Right? They are going to Mars, Right? They want to find out if there's life in Mars. You know what I would want them to research, to research? Which they avoid? No one has ever thought about researching whether Jesus actually rose from the dead. You notice that? You can try to find that out. If he was really killed and he truly rose from the dead. Because I know what's going to happen if you research it. You'll get saved. You'll get saved if you research it. Nobody bothers. But that's something nobody else has done. Jesus died and he rose from the dead. He is still alive till today. And the reason we should know, think about that is when you know that this one Jesus died and rose again from the dead, And he will never die again. He's still with us. What can he not do with your life? How can life be so difficult with him with you? Death could not take him on. There's nothing that can take Jesus on. And he is on your side. In Bible days, people responded. Many gave everything that they had because they saw what Jesus had done. They turned to him with all of their hearts. And this happened in John John chapter 11. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead who had been dead four days. And Jesus waited for four days. Because after four days, I mean, there is no way to say maybe he was still alive. No. Decomposition was already on. You couldn't say anything about it. Jesus raised him from the dead. 
I mean, the whole nation heard about it. Everybody was talking about it. It wasn't a secret. Today we think it was just in one little part. Everybody was talking about it. They raised, he raised Jesus from the dead. I mean, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Everybody talked about it. We read this story, we just go through without really thinking about what's going on here. A human being died. He's back alive, never to die again. But with Lazarus, the whole people knew about it. Now, the Bible tells us in John 12, six days, that was on a Saturday, that's the last Sabbath, before the final Sabbath. Six days before the last Sabbath that Jesus was here on earth, Jesus went to the same town called Bethany. The people of Bethany, because of that miracle, they were now on the map. Everybody knew about Bethany. Because Lazarus was raised from the dead. Everybody was talking about it. And they wanted to see Jesus. And the people came together. And you can read in Matthew, I believe, chapter 26. They had a feast for Jesus to celebrate him and what he had done. Please read scripture. They were excited. You put our little town on the map. Everybody now knew about our town. And people were coming from everywhere to see what Jesus had done. And so they had this feast in the house of Simon the leper. That's another person Jesus healed. And everybody came. But it says specifically that the people came not just to see Jesus. They wanted to see Lazarus also who had been raised from the dead. Did you know that Jesus is still doing the same thing today? There is a video called Raised from the Dead by Reinhard Bunke. How many have seen the video? Some of us have seen the video. That was a man in Nigeria that was dead and embalmed. Dead and embalmed. Meaning they drew all the fluids out of his body, replaced it with embalming fluid. God raised him from the dead. And the pastor was saying, he was sitting right on the stage. And you can see him, his heart over there. They were finding him and he hoos him with embalming fluids, just coming from all his pores. But he was alive. God's still doing the same things that no one has done. He's still doing it today. How are you responding to him? How are you responding to his call? How devoted are you to him? Is it going to be on that last day that you've seen and experienced and read all of all of this and yet you didn't give him all? You didn't give him your best? Today there was flood. It's a good day to stay home and watch television. My wife was telling me yesterday, well, let's send out a letter. I said, no, if you send out a letter, you've given Satan a tool to tell them to stay home. He'll tell them, pastor and God and Jesus, they all understand. He flooded. We're not going to church today. He gave it all for us. He gave his life for us. And he's expecting us to give it all. Give it all. 
We're talking about evangelism. We have to give it all. He was not ashamed to go to the cross and to hang on there naked for you and me. We can go out and share the gospel with people and let them know that Jesus is still doing the same things he did for us in Bible days. Jesus is still Jesus today. Let me read this scripture to you uh, from uh, John chapter 12. He says, Now a great many of the Jews knew that he, that Jesus, was there in Bethany, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And did you know that there was, they went on the fifth day, that's Palm Sunday, that's the next Sunday, six days after that, the people gathered all because they had heard this story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. They all came just to see Jesus as he rose and walked into town. And they were testifying. Those who were there saying, look, we saw it with our eyes. We saw this thing happen. The reason why they welcomed him. The Jews were all willing to give, I mean, to take this risk. They were not sure if he was Messiah. But they said in Mark, if this were not the Messiah, even if the true Messiah comes, what greater sign is there left for him to do? He's done everything. He's done everything. So Jesus is our Messiah, and he is calling us today to follow him, and remember what he said to us. Follow me and I what? I will make you fishers of men. The trust, what we are trying to uh, accomplish with this message for our church is this. We want to reach people for Christ. And God is giving us the tools to do that. I can pray for the sick. I can tell them my testimony about Jesus, what Jesus has done in my life. He changed my life. And it's been many years. He's kept me in Him, living for Him, having no desire to go back to the world and do the things that I used to do. Jesus has kept me. Jesus can do the same for those people. We have been called to reveal the same things that Jesus did in Bible days to our current generation, those that are around us, and to bring them to the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If not, a day is going to come when they will have no way or no excuse for their sin. And I don't want to be, now listen to me, I don't want to be the excuse for their sin. He didn't say anything to me. Get it? He knew about it, but he never said a word to me about it. I want to spread the word. I want to spread the word. I want to tell the miracles of Jesus. As a new Christian, I remember that I have a lot of young people that got saved. I enjoyed, I didn't know scriptures, didn't know John 3.16 very much. All I did was tell the stories of what God was doing in church. To my students in high school, sharing with them what Jesus was doing in my life. And they could tell 
my life had changed. I had my bell-bottom pants and my good afro. I've lost everything about that now. And, and, and those big belts, you know. And the church said, you can't keep coming to church with those, uh, what do you call, high heel shoes, real big platform shoes. <laughs> Quit laughing. You did the same thing today, okay? And all of that. And, and, and the students teased me because I cut down my pants so that I wouldn't have the bell button pants, and they called it pencil pants. And I said, uh, Sir, why are you wearing pencil pants? And I told them, uh, Jesus gave me pencil pants. <laughs> and said about everything I saw in church. I just talk about it. And sometimes my students will say, we don't want you talking about chemistry today. We want you to tell the testimony. Many of you heard the testimony of how they put me in chains. They wanted to know from my mouth. And I'll tell them, if you let me go through these formulas in chemistry, okay, and you're quiet and really listen, then I'll tell you the story. And the students will say to us, nobody lifts a finger in this church until he's through with his uh, teaching. We're through with chemistry. We want to know about those chains. Amen? I have one now that's a pastor in a church in Nigeria. We have to tell them what Jesus has done. Amen? Both from Scripture, we have to tell them He is the only one, not Muhammad. Amen? He did no miracle. When Muhammad said, if the mountain doesn't come to Muhammad, Muhammad will go to the mountain. Well, I know what's going to happen. He's going to go to the mountain. Yeah. He can't do anything about it. But Jesus was different. And we have Jesus in our hearts. And we want to spread the news to everybody. That Jesus is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can go to the Father except through Him. If they don't, they have no excuse for their sin. And I am not going to be the excuse that He had never said a thing about it. Amen? Bow your heads with me this morning. Let's get our minds ready to do work for our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe what we have to do today is to make a commitment with him, to him. Let me ask you this. If you were sitting in your office, I'm not saying use company time, and you can actually see Jesus always around you, and you know of a fellow in your office that doesn't know him, but you can see Jesus standing by you constantly. Will you be quiet about Jesus or you will find a way to say something about him? Most likely because he's standing right there, you will find a way to say something about him. That's what we need to do. We need to invite them to church. We need to say something about Jesus to them. We need to make a commitment to our God today that we will share Christ. Share Christ. That's love. Sharing Christ with others because he is love. 
They need his love. Let's make a commitment to Christ this morning. How many here will say, I want a fresh commitment with the Lord Jesus. And if he prompts me and the time is right, I will speak on his behalf. Because we take his place in love. Let me see your hand up this morning. If we're going to do that. I will speak on his behalf. If the Spirit of God prompts me, I will say something. No matter what, I will say something. For my Lord and for my Savior. Thank you, Lord. Stand up with me today. One day, I believe we are going to stand before the Master, before Jesus of Nazareth. All I'm looking for is this. Good and faithful servant. Not a miracle walking servant. Just want to be faithful. Amen? Whether it means doing, praying for some miracle, yeah, I want to do that. Whether it means praying privately for somebody, yes, I want to do that. Speaking on his behalf, I want to do that. Let's pray this morning. Say with me, Lord Jesus, I come to you with all of my heart. Lord, I know that without you, I can do nothing. But with you, I can do all things. Lord, I want to commit my life to take your place in love and in sharing the love of God with those around me. Holy Spirit, grant me the power and the boldness to speak for Christ. Fill me with your power right now. In Jesus' name, amen.